Good morning. It is Wednesday, August the 16th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Beginning today with consecration, our path, our pattern, consecration, transformation, demonstration, you will see this in spades throughout the whole story of Acts. But we're going to begin today, we're going to try to bring this pattern in, actually. Each day you're going to see, we're going to have a prayer of transformation after we have our our Bible and commentary. And then we're going to send you out for demonstration. But let's consecrate ourselves this day that the Lord has made for us. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. Jesus, we belong to you. And we're praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's reading is entitled, Where in the World is Jesus? Our text is Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. If you've been here any length of time, You know this train doesn't stop for long. You also know sometimes we go too deep for a devotion. This today may be one of those days. This is a thinker. There are many days when we have to run the instant replay from the day before to deal with what we didn't get to see and say. Today is already one of those days. I'm talking about this from yesterday. After he said this, 
he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. It could be the most consequential verse of Scripture in the whole Bible. Read it again. Hear it again. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Where in the world is Jesus? For most of my Bible reading life, I missed this. As a result, I have mostly thought of Jesus being an invisible being somewhere other than here, that this ascension business was a mystical plot device to get Jesus back to where he was before he came, that when he disappeared into the cloud, God kind of poofed him back into an invisible presence in heaven where he would live happily ever after with all our departed loved ones. That's not at all what the text says. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Have you ever thought about the difference between something invisible and something you can't see? Well, for starters, to say something or someone is invisible is to say something about that thing or person. You are saying it is not seeable. To say something is unseen is to say something about your own inability to see, that you simply can't see the person or thing from your present vantage point. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. It is impossible to know how much our mind, consciousness, outlook, and point of view have been formed by the scientific worldview, even beyond our awareness. In saying this, I am not knocking science. However, our native scientific worldview lacks the capacity to even process a human being levitating into the sky and being hid from sight by a cloud. Science has a file for this labeled mythology. We actually need a much larger framework than science can provide. Let's call it biblical cosmology. It is supremely ironic how science is routinely deployed to quash biblical cosmology whilst standing on its shoulders. But I digress. Biblical cosmology finds its origins in the first chapter and first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Again, for most of my Bible reading life, I have only really considered creation to be the earth. 
I never really noticed the bit about God creating the heavens. In the beginning, the heavens and the earth were of a seamless reality. God dwelling in and among his creation, and notably with his male and female image bearers. The porous seam between the heavens and the earth was shattered by sin and death, and the consequent fall from grace. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, we behold the cosmology of the cross, mending not bridging, mind you, the divide between the heavens and the earth. The ascension reveals Jesus, the risen Lord of heaven and earth, taking his seat of authority in the heavens, in bodily form, totally visible and yet unseen. Biblical cosmology posits what the scientific worldview, for lack of categories, cannot comprehend. A physically embodied Jewish carpenter sits in the heavens at the right hand of God. A fully divine human being is ruling the heavens and the earth. This has massive implications for everything. For starters, it means Jesus was, is, and remains a concretely real human person right here and right now. He is not a spiritual being somewhere far away. This is why Luke is careful to tell us he gave his disciples, quote, many convincing proofs that he was alive and that he ate with his disciples following his resurrection. Secondly, it means the heavens are neither somewhere over the rainbow or way up yonder. Think through rather than up. Just through the thin veil of visible reality. Otherwise, why do we think Jesus spent so much of his time talking about the kingdom of heaven and praying chiefly for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? All of this has enormous implications for understanding what prayer is and is not and how the Holy Spirit works through prayer as well as the nature of healing and miracles and the redemptive character of suffering, love, and, 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 we could go on. In the ascension, Jesus moved from the earth to the heavens. Here's the chief implication of the ascension. Because Jesus went from here to there, he can now go from there to everywhere. His primary means of going is by indwelling his witnesses, aka you and me, with his presence via the Holy Spirit. These 14 weeks together, through the first 14 chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, will reveal to us 
what it looks like when that happens. The prayer for transformation. Lord Jesus, I am your witness. I receive your righteousness and release my sin. I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness and release my emptiness. I receive your creativity and release my chaos. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I receive your joy and release my despair. I receive your rest and release my striving. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, mind, soul, and strength, that my consecration become your demonstration, that our lives become your sanctuary. For the glory of God our Father, amen. In the question, are you grasping the need for a biblical cosmology to wrap around our scientific mentality? In our hymn today, we're going to sing a song. Let me say this. Many who read the wake-up call still don't know that the gold standard experience of it is the podcast version. Listen to how this father of three put it. He said, I listen to the wake-up call with my three children on the way to school each morning. It's like a little gathering of worship where we can all participate. My kids especially love to sing along with J.D. on the songs they know. He adds a lot of color to the audio version. Anyway, I think a lot of people don't even know we have the, the audio and you can listen to it, of course, by clicking on the button at the top of each day's email. You can also listen to it on the Apple Podcasts app. And, uh, hey, here's what's coming. We're going to be putting this on listen-only format on YouTube. But that's the biggest uh, ocean in the world to fish in. And I'll be sharing that with you as it, as it comes live. Anyway, today we're going to sing a song that truly carries a biblical cosmology. And I know it's one of a lot of your favorites, How Great Thou Art. That's hymn number 32 in our seedbed hymnal, Our Great Redeemer's Praise. We're going to sing all four verses. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, 
how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Amen. I haven't sang that hymn in quite some time. And my gosh, I didn't realize that only dates to 1949. I just assumed it was one of the all-time great classics. It was an immediate classic. It already ranks really among the greatest. So thanks for singing that with me. Listen, this has been a long one today, and we've got a lot of ground to cover out there in the fields. Get your seed. There are people searching for Jesus. You are the place where they're going to find him today. I'll be looking for you out there. I'll see you on the field for The Awakening. I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend, leave us a rating, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. 
Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.